You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. And welcome to this week's edition of The Game Corner, where we talk about all the games people have been playing during the lockdown. My name is Kieran Calicorn, and we have a friend of mine on the show today, Madison Bowlby, who is an insurance broker. How are you doing, Maddie? Great. I mean, apart from the insurance broker bit, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I must confess, you're the first uh, insurance person we've had on the show so far. I'd say you've been kind of run off your feet in the last two months. It's uh, it's it's kind of tough, yeah. I feel like since people have been staying at home, um, they've got nothing but time to read through all of their insurance documents, which they probably never gave a second <laughs> glance to before. <laughs> and I'm guessing you've had to start working from home then. Has that been a tough transition? or? Yeah, well, it, actually, it was kind of okay because, uh, funny enough, working in my pajamas is something that... You know, it really, uh, it really helps my productivity. I guess if I can be comfortable and I don't have to wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know what you're, where you're coming from. I've had to be very choosy about, you know, I'll do the odd drama class over Zoom or something like that here or there, and I have to remember if it's a camera thing to get dressed. Have you run into that yourself? Oh, absolutely. There's like the whole like mad dash to your bedroom to find something appropriate to pull over like brushing your hair at the same time (laughs) two minutes before the meeting i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that before Mm. now i know you've got a very good cause to plug on the show but before that actually i just wanted to mention that we've had some people you know on the show actually we've had saoirse on uh two episodes ago and i believe you two were in drama together before weren't you We were indeed, yeah. Great involvement in drama back when we were in school. Yeah, because um, I think you and I were in kind of All My Sons and that kind of stuff way back when, like... Yeah, way back in the olden days, back when I used to be in a theatre the whole time. I miss it, (laughs) to be honest. I was, that's what I was about to ask. So you missed kind of playing all the mad characters and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Oh, I miss everything about theatre, but the problem is, you know, insurance will pay rent and I hadn't managed to make theatre do that thus far. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry. I'm sure, I, I'm sure a lot of people in the arts are in that boat, so I completely understand. Like, Yeah, yeah. Now, um, uh, you had, I think, our very first cause on, that you wanted to mention on the show. So wh- uh, why don't you tell us all about it there? You've got a charity you want to mention. Yeah, so it's a fundraiser. Um, it's on GoFundMe and on Facebook as well as the page called A Better Life for Libby. Um, and who is the Libby? little girl? She's the niece of uh, my manager at work, actually. Um, she's from Donegal and she's nine months old. Um, she was born with SMA1, which is a rare and very, very serious form of spinal, spinal muscular atrophy. Um, so the unfortunate thing with Libby is that her muscles will continue to deteriorate and she might live past the age of two if she doesn't get this treatment. It costs about two million quid. Um, 
Now they've done amazing work fundraising recently and even some artists, like I think I saw Daniel O'Donnell plugging it on the page the other day. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's getting great traction, but it's just, it's an awful, awful lot of money. So the more people hear about it, the better, you know? Okay. And um, we will pop a link in the description below this episode, but where, if people are listening on the radio or anything like that, where can people find this charity and support it? Um, so if you just Google A Better Life for Libby, or you can look it up on Facebook, um, it's pretty much everywhere. So just A Better Life for Libby, and I'm sure it'll be one of the first few search results. Okay, and fair play to you for bringing awareness to this, like, especially, like, you know, in this time where like obviously we're struggling with money and stuff but since we're all online more like now seems like a really good time to sort of do some good work for a good cause you know absolutely yeah um and i know it's tough on people but everyone especially at work has just really come together with this and i know like my manager she was really surprised at, at how everyone came together because she mm. almost didn't want to ask you know so okay and uh, you actually you mentioned off the air there is like a target goal isn't there money-wise yeah, so the goal is two million, um, and the last I checked, they had over three hundred thousand. But I'm sure it's gone up in the meantime. Okay, so it's it's very achievable. Yeah, well, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that is a better life for Libby. If you have heard what Maddie has been saying about it, and you feel like you can give a little support, I know these are tough times, but we'll put the link below this episode, and uh, please. Keep Libby in your thoughts and just give whatever you can. Thank you very much for bringing that to our attention, Maddie. Thank you. No worries. Now, this is the Game Corner after all, and I believe that you have a few games you want to talk about. So, have you been gaming more since the lockdown began? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah? What's your, what's like, your console um, of choice? Um, the Switch, about 99% of the time. Um, and right now I'm sitting at my desktop computer on which I have a lot of Steam games. Um, but the Switch has just been so handy to carry around the house or sit on the couch while someone's watching TV or even play on the TV, you know, so. Yes, I must confess, I haven't actually used the TV setting yet. Uh, is it worthwhile, like? Definitely. I mean, it depends on the game. Um, things like The Legend of Zelda are uh, great on the TV because um, it's so beautiful. And um, anything multiplayer as well, especially for split screens. But most games, I'm just happy to sit and play handheld. I think that's the beauty of it, you know. Yeah, I must confess, uh, Stevie did get me one for Christmas, which has turned out to be a fantastic investment considering we're all locked in our homes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I must admit, the first thing I bought was just all the Final Fantasy games that I played on the big TV. Having it on like a little handheld thing is just so much handier. Have you found that yourself? Oh, it's so great. Like I, I bought um, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I hadn't played it now since the PlayStation 1. So I was just so happy to be able to like sit on the Lewis with it or mm. well, at the moment sit at home with it. But yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, like it's it's the versatility that matters really like any of those games i can just then take in my hands in a very comfortable console you know it's nice to hold yeah it's funny actually kev who was uh, on the show with us i think two episodes ago because i'm a bit confused about the order he's gonna be released in but he's <laughs> he said before that like the switch irrespective of the games that are on it the switch is just the most comfortable console to play on Oh, absolutely. I think it's second only to um, the GameCube controllers that had the little grooves on the trigger buttons that mm -hmm. your fingers just sort of fit into. 
that's my all-time favorite, but the Switch is a close second. Oh, I never had a GameCube growing up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had I had a Pikachu Nintendo 64, though. I got it off a friend of mine for, like, 60 Irish pounds, which Amazing. I still think was a steal, even considering it when, it when I bought it, let alone, like, whatever it'd be worth now, like... Oh, absolutely. That's a treasure for everyone. You know, you'll have Prim on that in no time. <laughs> yeah, I just need to get someone tech savvy to, because it's such an old console, a lot of the TVs aren't built for its input. So I'm really oh, hoping course. someone will like kind of find a way to fix that up. Like, Yeah, actually, do you know what? I wonder, um, I know I have some, I have a SCART to RGB connector um, and things like that. And I have a couple of friends that work as um, EMTs at Google. Um, and they might be able to find something in those lines. Lovely. Well, when the world starts up, yeah, put me in touch. I will. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I believe the first game you wanted to talk about, because you did send me a big shopping list of options, but the first one oh, yeah. you wanted to talk about was Star Stardew Valley, right? Uh, absolutely. Always. <laughs> so, uh, some of our listeners might not be familiar what that is. What is Stardew Valley? So... The whole basic idea is that um, you are a desk jockey, essentially. You're working this tiring job in an office um, for like Joja Corporation, which is this big, big badge, you know, corporate slog. They have a big chain of supermarkets and stuff. Um, and you're just, you're working really hard and you're working really tired. And then uh, your grandfather, unfortunately, passes away, but he leaves you in his will, his old farm at the edge of Pelican Town. Um, so you decide to quit your job and go and live the quiet farmer's life in in this pelican town with you know all of the crazy characters and learn to be a farmer. So it's a very um, harvest moon kind of feeling game, but there's just so much more to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, I'm guessing this is a Steam game. So what's the kind of graphical nature of it? So it's it's really beautiful. Like it's. It's pixels, right? Um, right? And it looks like something that you would play on like a GameCube or an N64 or even a Game Boy. Um, but that's the, the choice of style. It's actually very detailed and beautiful and colorful, you know? Mm. Um, and it is, yeah, so it's on Steam. It was on Steam first, but you can also now get it on Switch. You can get it on PlayStation um, and you can get it on your phone. Um, I believe Xbox, I'm not quite sure though. Okay, and like, what do you find appealing about this game personally? Because I always find those kind of Farmville type games a bit stressful after a while. Like, yeah, I mean, I get, I get what you mean. Like, there's a certain amount of it where people would kind of go with min-maxing and trying to get the most out of everything as quickly as possible, which I find too stressful. So I don't do that. Um, I just love that you can sink so much time <laughs> into it, <laughs> but. You never run out of things to do. Like I bought this on my laptop on Steam years ago and I spent hours just farming my crops and building up my farm and tending to my animals and occasionally fishing. I completely ignored the combat part of the game. Oh wait, hang on. There's combat? I thought this was like a yes. farm game. It, well, so, so you would think. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the relaxing farm life for people who want that. Right. And then there's the mines, which you can go into and you like fight monsters and you find rare ores and gems, which are useful for crafting and things like that. Um, 
and there's like quests to do down there as well. The thing is, it's totally optional. You really don't have to do it if you don't like that part of the game, which is beautiful, I think. <laughs> um, Okay, so no, that so is this kind of a story-driven game, or is it just like a bit of an Animal Crossing, like maintaining over and over type thing? It's a bit of both. So um, kind of like in Harvest Moon, you can have uh, relationships and friendships with the villagers. You right. can get married, um, and it's an equality-driven game. You can marry either gender as either. Um, and uh, there's a story for each individual villager. So the main story, I suppose, is that there's a big Joja Marsh that's trying to get the town to sell their community center land so they can knock it down. Um, but you don't even really have to pay attention. It just sort of develops as you go along. Um, but as you become more friendly with each person in the village and your relationship increases, each of them has like scenes and, and personal stories and you learn more about their lives. Uh, and I said I ignored the mines for years. I ignored relationships with the villagers up until this lockdown started. And since then, it's like a whole new world has opened up that I did not know was there, having played the game for about three or four years. Okay, so there's a lot of variety. Like, you can play, like, it's kind of customizable to the way you want to play it. Absolutely, yeah. And, like, you just never know that stuff is there sometimes until you accidentally find out. Like it just keeps on giving. Um, you can play it forever. There's no real end point, you know? Okay. And you mentioned like kind of building relationships with the community and stuff. Is there kind of a Fire Emblem dating sim component to it as well? Like, Oh, I thought the one where, where you invite them out for tea and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, not really. The, so each villager has likes and dislikes and loves and hates. Um, so gift giving is really the, it's the main thing. And if you give them a gift on their birthday, then they get, you get extra points, especially if they love the gift. So there's kind of a fun element of trying to figure out what the villagers like or dislike. Or you can Google it, but that's less fun. <laughs> Okay, so slightly personal question. Do you have any idea how many hours you've put into this game so far? Oh my goodness. Well, I have it on Steam. Right. I have it on the Switch. Right. And I have it on my phone. <laughs> so probably a combined multiple of hundreds. It's put some strain on my real-life relationship. Like. <laughs> okay, because like... At the moment, the benchmark to beat is we had opera singer Rory Dunn on, who has put 250 hours into Animal Crossing. And wow. if you can find if you can find out by the end of the show, or indeed even before it airs, let me know because I want to keep like a scoreboard as the series Ooh. goes on. Like, perfect. Okay, so I'm going to look at I'm going to look up all three once we're done here, and I will I will send you my my score of shame. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think we've just discovered the name of the board. <laughs> so, uh, who do you think would enjoy Stardew Valley then? I think anybody that is looking for a game that they can just chill out to. Um, it offers an awful lot. Uh, there's very little pressure, but also if you have a competitive vibe, you can go for trying to get like a perfect first year or something like that but it's mostly for the chill gamer uh that doesn't mind basically doing chores virtually <laughs> okay because i must say if there's been a sort of 
accidental debate happening across these episodes where between people who've been kind of going off competitive games since they kind of want to spend time together and people who've been raring for it. Like, so you think this is more of the former, like? Yeah, absolutely. And since okay. uh, since the update recently, um, you can play it multiplayer, uh, either online or locally. So it's actually really fun to spend time together within the game. Um, I actually know a couple who play together on their own farm. It's adorable. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, so there's a multiplayer version as well, like. Yeah, so it's the in the game you can just play multiplayer. You can even build a house and invite someone into your current save file if you want. It's great. Oh, I could see that being very appealing then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to lose your progress if you want to have a friend come on in, you know? Okay. Now, you've two more games you wanted to recommend. I must confess, I actually hadn't heard of either of them. The first one is called Slay the Spire. Oh, yes. It is excellent. And a little bit of a good one if you're going for a slightly more competitive edge as well. Um, basically, it's a combination of a roguelike game where it's all randomly generated and deck building. So if you're a fan of Magic the Gathering, um, then it could be for you, you know. <laughs> okay, so I'm just looking up some images now. It's uh, sort of an online card game? Yeah. So um, the online bit uh, is usually just relevant to the daily challenges. Okay. Um, and there's a leaderboard for that. So that's where the competitive bit can come in. Okay, wow. It's incredibly high scores. Just looking up some reviews here. So does this game have a story or is it just like matchups? Like how does it work? Um, well, there's sort of a story, as in each time you play it, you're using a different character, there's four, um, to try and slay the spire, right? So there's this big eagle heart at the very top of the spire, and you have to go through building your deck up um, in various combinations and beating monsters and getting relics for new abilities uh, and ultimately try to defeat the spire at harder and harder levels. Okay, so... Would this be a very intuitive game? Because I must confess, I haven't played a lot of card game-based video games, at least ones that weren't Yu-Gi-Oh games. Like, mm. Well, it, it's quite um, easy to get a handle on. And for an example, and I hope she doesn't mind this, my friend, uh, <laughs> my friend Katie um, was never into video games, wouldn't play them, insisted she was bad at them. Um, and then she sat down to slay the spire one time, and now she's like amazing at it. She came 20th in the daily challenge the other day and she was like what has happened but she picked it up and it's because it's more strategy and kind of rolling with the punches and trying to make combinations that play well off each other um and you can get to know it quite well just by playing it uh i think it's kind of accessible as well as competitive at the top levels okay so there isn't a steep like learning curve or anything like that not really. I mean, the first few times you'll play it, you might get frustrated and die, but every run is so different that you might get some things that go really, really well, and then it kind of gives you a bit more of a confidence boost, and a, it, it sort of motivates you then to go back in and be like, I need a run that was that good. <laughs> okay, all right. So it'd be, it, it's sounding a bit like Faster Than Light, which is also on uh, Steam. Have you played that one, like... No, I haven't actually. Is that, it's, did, if, have you? If you like, uh, from what you've told me about Slay the Spire, you might like this. It's very similar. It's basically, you have a spaceship. It's kind of low, like kind of, you said, polygon graphics. And you just have to make your way from one side of the galaxy to the other. And the story is completely randomized every single time. That sounds brilliant. It's, I love those kinds of, there's so much replayability. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it, like you said, it can be frustrating, but it's a very mellow game. Some, if you're, sometimes it's only twenty minutes, sometimes it's two hours, but there's a nice soundtrack to it. So you, it's, it's very easy to pick up. Like, mm, I'll definitely check that out. But just that kind of dovetails back. So, say the spire is on Steam. Is it? Are you always playing against another real person, or are you playing against the computer? No. So you're always playing um, against the monsters in the computer, basically. Um, so they'll come up, and they don't have their own decks as such. They have, you know, just attacks and different abilities and things. Um, and as you go through, you kind of get to know them. But they're all randomly generated, so you don't know what you're going to run into in any given room. Okay. All right. That sounds like sounds like you lose a lot of time to it very easily, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the runs, you can do a speedy run in 20 minutes, or it can take you over an hour because you're thinking carefully. There's no time limit. Um, so that's, that's quite fun as well. You can be chill and try and really build a strategy. Excellent. And who would you say would enjoy uh, this type of game? Um, it could be for people who enjoy deck building, absolutely, because that's a huge part of it. But anybody who loves uh, taking an awful lot of time to plan the best deck and doesn't like leaving it to chance um, mightn't like it because it's always random. Um, but also, uh, it's, it's basically a dungeon crawler. Mm. So if you like deck building and strategy, but also you like a sort of dungeon crawling and attacking element, then either of those kind of feels of good. Okay, excellent. Now, there's one last game, again, I hadn't heard of this, Unholy Heights. What is that? Oh, yes. So this one I accidentally got, like, a year or two ago. I'd just gotten my Switch. I had one game for it, which was The Legend of Zelda. Um, and I went into the Switch store and looked at what was on sale. This game, Unholy Heights, I bought it for maybe six euro. Um, right. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so... <laughs> You're the devil. Okay. And the devil has uh, bought uh, a load of apartments in like the projects of monster land, I guess, right. <laughs> um, called Unholy Heights. Um, and you have these rundown apartment buildings and you have to try and attract various monsters to come and live in the apartments and they pay you rent. Um, in order to keep them happy and to keep them from moving out and stuff like that, you have to buy them furniture. Um, some types of monsters don't like living next door to other types, so you have to work around that. But the main thing, other than the apartment landlord sim, I guess, is it's a tower defense game. So every so often... So once again, I, I feel like you kind of <laughs> let, led me into this Harvest Moon type thing, and then there's also combat. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's... It's a bit different. I mean, it's, you don't really move around. Your view is your apartments. It's almost like a mobile game. And in fact, it could be. I don't know if it is. Mm. Um, so you're building up your apartment block and getting more and more powerful monsters and making the apartment block nicer and nicer and nicer and more expensive. But you'll get attacked by like droves of witches and things like that. And the happier your monsters are, the more willing they'll be to come out and fight for you and defend the apartment building. Okay, so are there actual characters in this, or is it just like... Yeah, kind of... um, well, you are like the disembodied devils, so that's you. Right. Um, and then each monster has sort of like personality traits and things that they like, um, and they can get into moods where they won't want to come outside and fight. Uh, so then if the witches show up, like the big gang of witches, 
and your monsters are all in a terrible mood or or they're at work even um then you won't have anybody to defend you so you have to be kind of nice to them while you you know rip them off on rent <laughs> oh my goodness i i never thought i'd talk to someone on this show who has a niche for like <laughs> landlord management games that are also like siege defense games yeah <laughs> i was so surprised and i've spent like 60 plus hours on that game the last i checked yeah. and like for six euro i think that's pretty good value to be honest yeah i think so like i mean yeah, a no. takeaway costs like 25 for one person or something like that I know, and it's not nearly as evil or enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where can people find Unholy Heights? Which I know the name that, makes sense to me. Yeah, so there you go. Um, no, it's on, uh, it's on Steam and it's on the Switch. Um, I don't know about any, any other consoles at the minute, but it's definitely on those two. I would definitely recommend the Switch because the handheld is just perfect for that kind of game. And yeah, I've, like, I've heard there's a bit of a run on Switches ever since mm, the pandemic began, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really difficult to get one at the moment, and plenty of games, too, are just totally sold out. Mm. Oh, yeah, I know. Like it, uh, There was definitely a rush, because I think GameStop was one of the last ones to close. Like, you know, I think everyone was, like, stockpiling up for what was to come, you know? Absolutely. And it was like, look, it's a good investment, I would say. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so your three games were Stargy Valley, Slay the Spire, and Unholy Heights. Are they all available on the Switch? They are, yeah, and I usually play them all on the Switch, but they're also all available on Steam. So. Okay, and can I ask, was there a particular reason you decided to play these games now during a lockdown, or was it just kind of coincidence-like? Um, I suppose with the Stardew Valley bit, uh, it was something that I could sink a lot of time into. It was chill. And also because we're all stuck at home, there's three of us living in the house, mm. um, because I can play it on my lap and somebody else can be watching a movie, it sort of doesn't bogart the entire room. Mm. Um, and then Slay the Spire is just fun for a bit of a, a daily challenge during my lunch break from work. Because, um, you know, working from home, it's hard to separate sometimes. So I can pick that up for 40 minutes, make lunch, and then get back to work. Unholy oh. Heights is just a weird... <laughs> you can always pick it up yeah. when you're a bit bored and then put it back down again, you know? <laughs> okay, I wanted to ask, because a few of our guests, we've kind of noticed a trend that people are veering towards either RPG, like role-playing games, or towards games that involve building a house, building a world, building a map. Because, like we're all stuck inside. So there isn't that element to it as well, is there? Oh, I think so. I mean, like with Stardew Valley, for example, you can go out into the village and have your wee relationships and meet your friends and things like that, go fishing. So maybe it's just a cry for <laughs> freedom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then we are just about out of time. Is there anything you'd like to say or plug on the air before we wrap? Um. I mean, I think that's about the size of it. If anybody is interested in these games and hasn't heard of them, definitely give them a try. Uh, you do as well, if you have any time. Um, but... I have, well, I have a Switch, certainly. Well, there you go. All you need is the time. <laughs> See if you can find it. <laughs> yeah, six quid is a steep investment. And one yeah. more time, where can people find A Better Life for Libby? You can find it on Facebook or else just Google that sentence and it'll come right up. I'll send you the link as well. Okay, well then, Maddie, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving up your time to do this. 
oh thank you for having me honestly i was in a bad mood today and now i've just brightened right up <laughs> oh well i i may i may put that on our poster because that is a lovely thing to say thank you <laughs> no problem <laughs> okay that was madison bowlby and if you have anything to spare and want to help Libby's cause. You can find A Better Life for Libby on most social media platforms and we'll try to put a link below this episode as well on Facebook and all that. We'll be back after a few messages. This is The Game Corner, so stay with us. Alright, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app or you can check out the live streams on nairthnomedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Media everywhere. Media on Twitter. Media Instagram. Media on Twitch. Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Are you a nerd? Do you like hearing about a bizarre range of topics from the world of nerd? Does your heart and hairstyle still belong in the nostalgic 90s? Are you a sucker for spooky weirdo things? Well, whether you're a hardcore nerd or a vanilla ice ice baby, Straight Outta Canto is the podcast radio show for you! Straight Outta Canto, that's K-A-N-T-O, Ireland's number one show for nerd culture, nightmares, nostalgia and more. Straight Outta Canto. And welcome back to the Game Corner. Thanks very much to Madison Bowlby for being on our first half. Now, our next guest is another friend of the show. This is actually her third appearance, if you're a fan of the Nerd to Know Media main podcast. It is Maeve Reed from Shurikon. How are you doing, Maeve? Hey, Kian. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I appreciate that even with the lockdown, you must be very busy with college stuff, right? Actually, I just finished up about two weeks ago with my college stuff. I'm free as a bird to chat with you. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Now, uh, before we get into the games and stuff, um, I believe Shurikon has a little bit of news that you want to discuss on the air. Yeah, uh, Shurikon has finished for the year and we're working towards starting up planning for next year. But before we do that, uh, we're currently going for the award for best event and best charity event in the BICS awards, which is basically Irish intercollegiate awards uh, for like different colleges around Ireland for like things like best event, uh, best person, which our secretary Dylan is actually going for this year. Uh, so we're excited and hopeful that we will win best event, best charity event. Excellent, because I remember when we had you on last, I think it was around Christmas, like you were talking about all the fundraising you were doing for, what was the charity again? Uh, this year's charity was Jigsaw. That's right, yes. And I believe you hit quite a milestone, didn't you? We did, yeah. We made even more than we did last year. I can't remember the exact number but we definitely went over one and a half grand that's excellent congratulations yeah and yeah, um, we're really proud of it yeah as well you should be and like we were there at uh the last shurikon and it was it was great fun like going around all the stalls the video games the dancing like all the events and stuff i didn't get to meet uh the celebrity guests unfortunately but are you happy with how it turned out oh absolutely it was so much fun and it was like just a massive payoff for all the work we did coming up to it from like 
just organizing everything to getting the word out and it turned out wonderfully that's wonderful and i must say just uh, this is nothing to do with the show but i did start watching jojo's bizarre adventures after you <laughs> talked it up on the show it, it is exhausting to watch it is such chaos and nonsense <laughs> it's great but like i think i hit the more modern stuff with like the newer things i don't want to spoil anything mm. and i was just like what in heck is happening here i finally reached the point where stands become a thing and i was like huh i thought they would appear sooner yeah i think i made the mistake of starting from the start where it like zips around it jumps around like centuries at a time and like you know so there's vampires mm. and then you're in new york and you're in london and then there's germans and it just keeps it, it almost feels like this drama game we play where every kid gets to add one sentence of the story and it just goes and then they died and then they didn't die mm -hmm. and then they blew up and then they became horses like that's how it feels watching it like yeah yeah it is a roller coaster and i'm amazed that like in all the time that i'd hear like random jojo references and stuff it only only at the point where i started watching the show did i find out it had vampires in it and i was like is that not is that not important to know <laughs> I mean, it's testament to it that there's so much going on that vampires are a footnote. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and Jojo aside, how have you been managing since the lockdown started? I have been doing pretty well overall. I've been sort of support friend to a lot of people in that, um, you know, you have a breakdown, you go, Maeve, I'm stressed, and I will come along and be like, you do not need to be stressed. I have slipped a log of cookie dough into your mailbox in a social distance manner. Love you very much. Don't die. That sort of, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I've been spending my time. I've been making logs of cookie dough. I've been uh, playing a lot of RPGs. I've been playing a little bit of League of Legends and I've just been baking constantly. That's wonderful. And, you know, on a serious note, like it is great that you are like kind of reaching out to people and making sure everyone's okay. I did that for the first two or three weeks. And then like, I found it hard to kind of keep making the effort to call people every mm -hmm. single day. Uh, but it sounds like you've been doing really well. Like, Yeah, I, I try my best to keep in touch with people. I'm kind of aware that everyone's stuck on their own and it does help to like hear a friendly voice every once in a while. Mm. And you've been cooking more as well. Sorry, baking, my mistake. Yeah, well, a bit more cooking as well. I've been home enough that I've been, like, cooking dinner for the family, which has largely been pasta bake, because uh, my sister, who is a bit of a fussy eater, eats all of it, and the family is astounded and amazed. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, we're going to play with the structure of this episode a bit. Usually we go, like, kind of, what games do you like? All that kind of stuff. But uh, we actually had uh, someone named Ray Carney on last episode who kind of explained sort of rpgs for beginners and all that kind of stuff and how to get into it mm -hmm. and only near the tail end did we have time for stories like the mad stories you get in an rpg so we're just going to jump straight in this episode what rpgs do you play you're a DD &D player right dungeons and dragons yeah dungeons and dragons is definitely the main one i play um i also play a game of ova which is like the anime role-playing game which is pretty fun uh the specific one i play is uh mixed in with a lot of Shadowrun lore which i understand is a separate role-playing game altogether that i know a little less about but is very much like cyberpunky futuristic themed and then i also play some only war which is uh 
an all fighty, all war, all the time, 40k based uh, role playing tabletop game. Okay, I because we've talked about Warhammer on the show before. I didn't realize there was a tabletop like 40k game. Like, I mean, yeah, as in no. RPG, like obviously it's tabletop like. Mm. I did not either until I uh, made friends with this guy named Tony who started uh, role playing for a bunch of me and my friends in a pub and we'd go in and uh, we'd just like kill lots and lots of things and die often. I'm onto my third character at this point. The first two I was like, you know, I have such a backstory and I was a poor fool who got sent into the penal legion. Uh, which is the uh, the legion of basically you did crime, therefore we're putting you on the front lines of war. Right. Uh, my first one died in a bloody explosion. My next one showed up to investigate the death, and my next one showed up to figure out why people kept dying and weren't giving proper reports of what was happening on the ground. Okay. So, uh, so it's kind of like I'm sort of. <laughs> so it's almost kind of like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure because we keep hopping to a new character following up on the story of a last one who died yeah. in weird circumstances. Like, you won't survive long enough for your one character to have a consistent narrative, especially if you're me, because I'm not good at only war, but I'm having <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I kind of thought to invite you on the show was uh, now and again, because I'm fascinated with Dungeons and Dragons, but I've very rarely played it. So now and again, I'll ask you, like, how's Dungeons & Dragons going? And you'll send me, like, a four-text essay on all the mad stuff <laughs> yeah. that's happened. So um, tell us a little bit about that. You, I'm assuming you run your Dungeons & Dragons games, yeah? Yeah, so uh, I am the Dungeon Master for my Dungeons & Dragons games, which takes place in a perfectly circular continent, which I named Pelennor. I recently oh. learned that Pelennor is also like a playable place in D&D, but I didn't know this when I came up with the name. Hmm. Uh, Pelennor is completely circular because it is surrounded by treacherous waters and cut off from the rest of the world, and basically erosion has made it a perfect circle. On top of this, the main conflict of the campaign is that these magic gem holders, uh, the gems have been compared to infinity, bleh, infinity stones, and I hate that very much because I didn't think of it at the time. Yeah. Um, so these four or five people have these really powerful magic gems, which are like legendary items, like the most rare possible thing you can get in the game. They're extremely powerful, and they basically use them to close down all the portals to all the different planes. So you can't get to any of the nine hells, you can't get to the Feywild, you can't get to the various heavenly places, you can't get anywhere except for the material plane. Teleportation to other planes has been shut down. And my players, many of whom are from other planes or have family on other planes or their magic comes from other planes are now struggling to deal with this because their magic's being cut off. Uh, my warlock, his patron is the Lord of Dreams, heavily influenced by the Sandman comics. Um, <laughs> and, uh, this dude lives in the Feywild and he's like, hey, can you fix this? Because I'm stuck and I need to give people dreams. The world is breaking if you don't fix this. And my very straight-laced warlock who got his eyesight from his patron and is very like grateful to his patron is like, I will absolutely fix this. This is not okay. <laughs> so they're running around the continent trying to fix this. And then on a small scale, they have issues like um, our half-elf uh, rogue. Her mom works in a brothel and is very much like the Ruby of the Sea type character of this campaign right. for anyone who knows Critical Role, she shows up and she steals things from her mom, including a bundle of letters from her estranged father. Then she and her mother have a massive fight and they end up 
running out of the main city before they can resolve it. Uh, separately, we have the main tiefling monk character who has her mind wiped by slavers who want her to continue executing people for their religious cause, which is a tyrannical sun god. Uh, we have a lot happening and it's all very entertaining because I get to orchestrate it all. Well, that's what I was about to ask you about, actually, because um, <laughs> when it comes to, I think, I've talked about this before on the show, I think people who haven't played Dungeons & Dragons get intimidated because they see a parody on TV or they see people playing it and it looks like a lot to take in. So when you approach setting up a game or setting up a story or whatever, do you create all that much detail in advance or does it happen organically as you're playing? It's a bit of a combination. Uh, my rule of thumb for DMing, and this is just the way I do it, I've seen a lot of different methods, uh, is that I will make an environment and I will create conflicts that the players can come into contact with. And uh, they may or may not, but regardless, the main plot line will come along and they will eventually reach their end goals. So they could be dropped in, for example, the city of Memorial was a place I created. Nice. And the party entered on their way to a different destination, but they needed to stop tonight. And uh, there was this whole subplot I had planned that had vampires and the entire place was like just overrun with vampires and things were about to hit the fan really quick, but the party could solve the problem and stop the vampires potentially for they were of a power level to do that and they completely missed that entire arc and went on their merry way the next day none the wearer about the vampires <laughs> months later they're going to return to this village and be like hey why does everyone look like a zombie <laughs> horrified when they find out that everyone's either a thrall or a vampire that's mad, because, yeah, that does happen. I've only actually ever played two Dungeons & Dragons sessions, but um, the one time I did, I was playing, like, a, sort of a cheeky, sort of used car salesman monk. And so <laughs> I, I put a lot of charm into him. And what happened was, like, there was supposed to be this, like, whole big elaborate thing where we, like, see someone during a fight, and we have to, like, go search for him and follow clues and all that kind of stuff. But because I had a, a charm and a few good roles... I got to just go up to the guy and ask, what's the story? And then convince him to take us to the pub and explain the whole plot that would have taken like three sessions to get to. Oh my. So you do kind of just kind of have to go, like you can plan a story as much as you want, but you're at the whims of the people actually playing it, right? Yeah. And you can, you can never fully account for what they're going to do. Like I had one player who was going to uh, hop out for a few sessions because she was in the midst of her exam. She was overwhelmed with everything going on and she couldn't be in the headspace for D&D. So I said, okay, here's some options for things we could do to like take her out of the picture. And she was like, I'll go with the one where I get kidnapped. And I went, okay, <laughs> we'll do that. And so we came into the session and I was like, so you go out for a walk at night to clear your head. And this is what she decided to do. And she goes, yes, that's what I do. And I go, well, you are suddenly um, faced with this woman familiar from your past who was once your slaver. And uh, seven goons. And she goes, I run away as fast as I can. And she's a monk. So she mm -hmm. can run faster than literally all the other people. So I had to spend about an hour playing a chase scene with just one of my players and seven NPCs who just could not catch her. And she texted me privately and she goes, I know I said you wanted me, to, I wanted you to kidnap me. But I never said I'd make it easy for you. You couldn't just say a wizard did it? No, not at all. 
<laughs> oh my god that is absolutely wonderful like it's and like what happens if she doesn't come back for five or six sessions are all the players just going to keep turning up like and they'll say sorry she's in another castle like um to an extent yeah i kind of just flesh things out as i go and um what happened was they were in this one city and she got taken to another and she was like enough hours ahead of them that they had to finish a few things and then get to her. Uh, so they had a few days where um, the the play kind of extended. She was gone for about two weeks. Right. And uh, so they came along and they got to the city and they had to investigate the city because they didn't know where she was. And there were two potential coliseums that she could have been in that were both different kinds of fight pits. So one was very much the religious fight pit where it's like, okay, so you stole a loaf of bread. That's illegal. We like watching fights, so you're going to be put to the death against this person called the Executioner, right. uh, which is a terrifying concept. And I made it very clear that this was very bad and may have slightly emotionally scarred my players, but I think they're used to it by now. Um. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about as well, because like your friend gets kidnapped, disappears for two weeks. She comes back. The rest of them could all be like, you know, getting Vietnam style flashbacks or something. And she's just there with her suitcases like, what did I miss? <laughs> yeah. So um, she gets like a few updates because it is kind of what's happening with her. And I role play with her a little bit. What's going on in that uh, she was being brainwashed by this woman named Doria who came to take her back because obviously this girl is now a fully fledged adventurer and she doesn't want to return to being an executioner in a fight pit. So she has um, an intensive version of this spell that alters your memories cast on her that basically resets her to factory settings in a way. Right. Uh, she manages to resist enough that she can sort of remember her friends, but basically in the aftermath of them saving her from the Colosseum, which they blew up uh, for funsies, uh, in the aftermath of saving her from the Colosseum, they uh, have to spend a good week in a safe haven that they know of. Uh, trying to get her memories back, which is a massive ordeal that allows them a lot of time that's like outside of fighting, where I had them role playing, like just making friends basically and getting to know each other. <laughs> okay, well, let's walk it back a bit. How did you learn to essentially lead these games? Um, I guess partially from like watching other people play because i did start out as a player for dnd uh playing games in dit in the game society because they do weekly games there and then playing with uh, my boyfriend who had me in his own session uh so i kind of got the got the ropes for dnd that way and then i think a little bit of the leadership side of things comes from training as a girl guide leader because i went from running girl guide meetings which is like okay I have 25 11 to 14 year olds to direct in a particular direction. I have activities I have to get done so that they can earn their badges and I need to get them done in a timely fashion where they don't get distracted. And I basically applied that logic to fictional characters. And I went, okay, you need to do this now. Moving on to this. And I kind of got the knack of making sure everyone gets their say and uh, keeping track of combat, keeping track of different activities from a mixture of both girl guiding and watching other people play in DM. You make it sound a bit like herding cats, though. A little bit, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I say I'm herding cats, but they're really just directing me what they want to do next. I'm like, okay, if you say so. Okay. And 
And sorry to cut across you there, but like, is that because I'd certainly like to start playing? Is that how you would recommend, like, um, like trying to join someone else's group first? Then I think it's definitely easier for a first-time player if you start playing. Uh, it's a little bit hard sometimes to find people to play with, but if you have someone willing to DM, it's really good to get the experience in just learning how to play one thing before you have to learn how to make sure everyone else is playing their own things correctly. Uh, however, if you don't have that opportunity and if you just want to get to playing, I suggest just keep it simple to start. Maybe use the pre-made systems because there are pre-made games you can play in D&D books like... Uh, Curse of Strad, Minds of Fandalvar, that kind of thing, hmm. uh, where you can just download them in PDF form or buy them in like Gamers World or Forbidden Planet or online. And um, you can just start playing from there. You follow the instructions and you let people go for it. Excellent. And um, because we have a few minutes left, uh, you mentioned there was a sort of a more Japanese themed RPG you were playing as well. Yeah. Um, I play a game of OVA, which is like basically the anime RPG. I don't know a lot about it outside of what I played, which is specifically a Shadowrun game set in like the year 2057 uh, in China. I play a character who is Chinese from, just entirely from China. I've forgotten the names of places, oh no. Right. Um, but this girl has augments, which is like enhanced body parts uh that are like metallic and like you know you can have an augment that is like okay i lost my eyes so my eyes are now augmented eyes which are little like metallic cyberpunky type things right my character has a mechanized spine because she was in an accident that caused her to need to get her spine replaced with a mechanical one which happens to contain swords for fun she has swords in her spine uh, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just not something you expect anyone to say, let alone in such a casual tone of voice. <laughs> so yeah, um, she wanders the streets of Hioi doing shadow running tasks, which is basically like hired mercenary, assassin. Uh, most recently, she and her teammates uh, did a museum heist where they successfully heisted a sarcophagus with a live mummy that came out and attacked them uh so we almost died there but it was extremely exciting and she pulled the knives from her spine and started going at it and then the next day she went off to work in the company that she is an indentured slave to as a result of getting her spine augments uh so uh one of her goals is to remove herself from the thrall of the corporation that is basically controlling her entire life and in charge of her very livelihood Okay, you certainly paint a vivid picture of what these sessions are like. But for someone who hasn't played this before, can you give us a sense of what it's like to be in these groups and playing and all that kind of stuff? Because we had um, Kev Coffee on a few weeks ago who does a lot of these sessions and he describes it as he'd play a bard who's essentially like a sort of California dropout college student and they kind of try and make it as modern as possible. Like... So what is it like when you play with your friends? Like, what's the experience like? Um, well, it's very much, like, different for every game, but with, like, a continuous sense of we all have our roles to play and we're working together for a common goal. In Shadowrun, in OVA, it's um, 
we're all criminals and we all want to achieve our goals so that we can make money, maybe get revenge on someone. We've recently sort of laid out our goals, whether it be um, our big troll guy who's like, like a mafioso type New Yorker kind of thing. And he comes along and he's like, I want to defeat these guys because they, they messed with me in the past. And that right. is like my thing. And then another one might be like, oh, yeah. Uh, so my family was the Irish mafia. And they are now vampires coming to kill. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. So there's like absolutely like no limits on where your imagination can take you then. Yeah, it's very much, if you can think it, you can do it. Uh, especially with OVA, we have this thing where you can make your own special moves and you have certain things you can put in, like you can have elaborate gestures, like you need to like move your hands about a lot to do this, or like you can have magic powers and each thing like accounts for how much damage it can do. But like, if you want your magic weapon to be like a yo-yo with knives on it, you can do that. You describe it and it makes it better. You can be like, okay, I am Steve the Yo-Yo Man with my metallic <laughs> yo-yo. I'm going to stop crime. And you come out with your metallic yo-yo and you swing it round and you make like a garage yo-yo and it wraps around your enemy's throat and you bring them close. And because you're describing it in such good detail, you get to roll some extra dice for damage. And it's like, cool, Steve is doing great. Okay, and uh, I know we're nearly out of time, but I just want to return to Pelinor for a sec. Like, how strict yeah. are you with kind of the rules of your world? Because as soon as you like said it's a round continent, immediately I went, does Pelinor have a flat earth society? Like, do you keep it fantasy or are they allowed? Or if someone says, I want a submachine gun, they get it. Like, That is a good point you have latched onto because recently I had a character um get retired for a new character coming into place and this new character is an artificer which is basically the D, &D class where you get to make things like submachine guns and stuff so okay. he comes up to me and he goes can i make this extremely powerful weapon and i go you can but you do need to find the materials the time and like the equipment to make it so you're allowed to do whatever you want but there are consequences and there are like ways of doing it so he can't just go can i have a machine gun and i go yep you've got one Instead, it's like, can I have a machine gun? And I go, yes, here's the things you need to do to get it. And then he does it. And now he's got an excellent thing called the T-Blowback, uh, which is a massive gun that he straps to a skateboard he has and just goes crazy on his enemies, shooting them from all around while skateboarding and also being a cat because he is a tabaxi, which is a cat person. Okay, so there's skateboarding cats with machine guns. Yes. I deliberately said that so my brother would give me a look when he passed through the room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. you are, so you do kind of keep things consistent, but if someone asks for something, you'll kind of find a way to make it make sense in your world. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Then, um, Sorry, you go on there. Then uh, if I want to do something especially outlandish, that is when the one-shots come into play. So... <laughs> One shots are like once off sessions uh, for for like a fun thing to happen. I've been in a few run by my friend Michael, who is an awesome DM. Yeah. Uh, he runs the Shadowrun game. Uh, he ran one called Dadventure, which was which basically ended with us being, ah yes, you all have the same father. You must go save him. 
and then a separate one where it was like, you are in the cold wastes and you must depose a terrible power. But two of you look exactly the same for some reason. We didn't plan this, but now you're twins. Your father is the bad guy. <laughs> he, likes, <laughs> he likes making dads. Um, but then the, the one I made was a dice dragon one, which was basically everyone gets to be 20th level versions of themselves, which is like the maxed out version. And uh, they fight a giant dice dragon who's hoarding all of their dice. He's got little homebrew minions that are just giant dice that try their best to hit you, but are actually very bad at it. <laughs> oh my goodness okay i th unfortunately we'll definitely have to have you on again because i want to hear more of these stories i think we might have to just do a feature length one for the rest of them <laughs> but uh before we wrap is there anything you want to say on the air or anything you want to plug um not particularly i guess just have fun playing rpgs and the most important thing is just to make sure everyone's enjoying themselves keeping a pace and make sure no one gets left behind when you're playing Okay, that's a, that's very sweet. All right, well, Maeve, thank you very much for joining us on the show. As I said, I hope that we can have you on again soon, maybe with your Shurikon team. I hope you had fun. I did. I was happy to come on. Thank you for inviting me. Excellent. Well, then, this has been the Game Corner. We will have another episode coming out this Friday at 1 o'clock. Until then, I've been Keanu Calicorn, this has been Nerd to Know Media, and thank you very much for joining us. Bye now. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.